Welcome to the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Hey, friends, welcome back to the Switch Leader Podcast. We are here for episode number nine of our Leader Essentials series. Yes, that was really great. I'm going to cut it out. No, I'm kidding. We'll keep it. So it's going to be it's going to be a really great series. This week, we are covering the topic of going deeper when they don't engage. So if you've led a small group, then you know that sometimes students don't lock in right away and it can be difficult getting them to maybe focus. And so how do we continue to go deeper with our students with a topic that maybe they're not engaging with right away? This is going to be a really good conversation. This week, we have James Meehan, and we also have Ellie Berry with us. And so we're excited to have you hang out with us this week. Ellie, Yay, looking forward to getting to you. hear from you as well. Thanks for joining us. James, for having me. I'm going to let you take it away. As I yelled obnoxiously at the beginning of this episode, this is part nine of the Switch Leaders Essentials podcast series, where we are covering the lessons and principles we believe every Switch Leader needs to know in order to effectively lead students to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Like Josh said, this week we're talking about how to go deeper when they don't engage. The big question we want to answer is, how do you lead your students effectively when they aren't engaged with the message or the message guide or any aspect of the night at all? And the big idea that we hope you will feel and you will believe and you will apply coming out of this is that some of the best moments in your small group will come on nights when nothing goes the way you thought it would. Some of the best moments in your small group will come on nights when nothing goes the way you thought it would. And so what we want to encourage you to do is when things don't go the way you thought they would or the way you think they should, to respond by doing two things. First, by managing your own expectations. And then second, by changing the conversation. That's what we're going to go a little bit deeper into. But before that, I want to read a little bit of scripture because I think it's helpful to think about everything the way that Jesus does. And so in Mark chapter four, verses two through nine, Jesus teaches this parable known as the parable of the sower, where he says this. He says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew, and it produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So we have this parable where there's a farmer sowing seed. And it falls on four different types of soil. The first three types of soil do not produce a good harvest, but the fourth type of soil produces an abundant harvest. In this parable, Jesus is the farmer. The seed he is sowing is the message of the kingdom of God. And the soil are people, people like you and me. And it's our response to that message. And our friend Ellie is really wise and brilliant. And she said something really, really great about responses and responsibility that I'm not going to try to say because I want her to say it, but I think it's so helpful for this conversation. And I think it's a really great way to summarize what Jesus is trying to communicate here, that you've got the same farmer, the same seed, four different types of soil and four different results. Why? Because 
the result was based on the way the soil received the seed. So Ellie, what is, what is that thing you say that I really like to misquote you on? For sure. Well, I, I always like to say that other people's responses are not our responsibilities. And I think a big part of that is because we can only really control what we contribute, right? So what we pour out, what seeds we plant, that's our contribution. And how other people respond to that is not really in our control. So it's not our responsibility to own people's responses. Dang, that's really good. I'm going to steal the other thing you said, because you said other people's responses are not our responsibility. And then you said, and this is the first time I've heard, heard you say it, that you can only control what you contribute. Dang, mm -hmm. that's so good. <laughs> and, and, and I want you to hear this and feel this as a switch leader, is that your responsibility is not to control the response of your students. It's just to contribute what it is that God has asked you to contribute. And we've spent a lot of episodes talking about what that looks like for you. And this episode is really focused on, okay, but like what happens when you're doing all the right things and things still seem to go wrong? As somebody who leads a middle school guys switch group and somebody who is responsible for the content that plays on Wednesday nights at switch, it is so humbling every single time my message is being played where I'm the one communicating it. And one of the guys who's been in my switch group for over a year looks at me and says, is that you? I don't really <laughs> like the way you sound up there. And you know what? That's why Ellie's here today, because I needed to be reminded that their response is not my responsibility. There you go, James. <laughs> so, exactly. I, I just want to hear from you, Ellie, and then you, Josh, when you are talking to switch leaders who are maybe experiencing some frustration with their small group because things aren't going their way, like how do you advise them to begin managing their expectations so that potentially they can find some good in what doesn't seem as good or potentially reframe their perspective to make the most out of what is not quite such a good opportunity? Yeah, well, I think... It is all about defining what winning is for your small group leaders, because when I'm talking to my leaders, I want them to know by them showing up week in and week out, they are winning. They are That's in good. front of their students. They're leading a small group. They're, they're modeling consistency, creating a safe place for their students. And that is winning. And I think I've, I've had some conversations recently with small group leaders who felt frustrated because their middle school boys were being chaotic in their small group and they weren't talking about the message. And I just, I asked them, I said, hey, do they come back every week? And my leader was like, yeah, they do. And I said, then you are winning. You know, you're creating a safe place for them to come and um, talk about what they need to talk about. Some weeks it's going to be the message and, or it's going to be the message for longer, but other weeks it's just going to be what's going on at home or at school. Yeah. And so really my expectation for them is not this serious talk, the whole small group, but it's just creating a place for them to really feel safe and heard and, and cared for. That's so good. That's really good. I, I think sometimes as adults, we think that we can accomplish more than it's realistic in a given amount of time. <laughs> and so I think it's really good to remind our leaders. And so I hope those listening hear this. Number one, like on the weekend, 
we don't get to do small groups after church. So like church doesn't end. And then we all go sit down and talk about how that message really just rocked our lives. And so what we do is hopefully some of the people who are really intentionally wanting to have that community, they find themselves going to a life group at the end of the week. And so they find themselves in a group where they get to sit down and have a conversation about that. But at Switch, we don't give them a choice. And so at Switch, it's going to be every student is going to sit down and we're going to talk a little bit about life or we're going to give them that opportunity. But some of those students, maybe they'd rather just go play basketball than sit down and have a, have a conversation. And so I think it's important to, to recognize they're not, their hearts aren't all in the same place. Their minds aren't right. all in the same place. Mm-hmm. And so not every one of them is actually ready to sit down and have that conversation. And so your goal is that you're available for them when the one week shows up that it was time for them to sit down and they needed to have that conversation. It's not going to be every week and it's not going to be every kid, but just know that it's important that you're there so that when the week arrives, you're available for it. Come on. That's so good. It makes me think of a quote from Jerry Hurley, who's on the senior leadership team of Life Church, where he talks about frustration being the result of a gap between reality and our expectations. So when you expect something good and reality is less than that, in the gap, frustration is created. And so for me as a switch leader, one of the things that I had to do really early on was shift the expectations I had for my small group and then specifically change the expectations I had for each individual student because each student is showing up every Wednesday night with a different thing, like set of things that happened that day, with a different set of experiences that have shaped them from the time they were born until now that they're in the seventh grade. And so for me as a switch leader, if I expect every one of my students to be where I am spiritually now as a 28-year-old dude who's been in ministry for a decade, I'm going to be really frustrated. That gap is going to be really big. It's going to be a big (laughs) gap because of how holy I am, obviously. That was not my point. (laughs) Okay, sorry, sorry. But but, but it's, it's that idea. I think what you brought up, Josh, is so helpful to recognize that not all of our students are actually wanting to talk about spiritual things. Now, all of our students need it. All of our students want to be seen. They want to be known. They want to be heard. They want to be valued. And so we get to bring all of those elements to a night of switch. But I'd I'd be curious to know about maybe a time, whether it's within your role here at Life Church or maybe in your personal life, where you found yourself in a situation where things weren't going the way you expected. And through that experience, God did something significant in you. I have two young adults, two young women that live in my house. And the gap between reality and expectation can be large just in the fact that (laughs) I am teaching them how to be adults as well as watching them learn how to figure out who they are, who God's made them to be. And I found that what God has done in me as I have bumped up against my frustration is, first of all, he's humbled me to realize that I'm not the savior in their story, but two, it's grown my dependence and my faith on him as I have needed to lean on him for strength, wisdom, joy, peace in a season where he's called me to say yes. And it's my joy to say yes. But 
I can't do it on my own. And so I think as a small group leader, when you're in that group and it's not going the way that you thought, there's frustration. Number one, it's humbling to realize that it's not going to go the way you thought. And two, it's going to grow your dependence on the Holy Spirit because you can't do it by yourself. And so once we kind of live in that gap, it narrows as we rely on Jesus more for those things that we can't produce in ourselves. So good. James 1, 2 through 4 tells us that we are to consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever we face trials of many kinds, because the testing of our faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The amount of times where I get to the end of a night of switch and I realize, oh, God, you gave me a gift tonight. And that gift was Marky Mark, the seventh grade boy who just farted around the entire time because you gave me an opportunity to be tested, to be tried, and to lean on the fruit of the spirit and to trust in you. And so maybe for you as a switch leader, the first thing that you are to do when your students are engaging is to manage your own expectations by zooming out and asking the question, God, what is it that you might be doing in them? And God, what is it that you might be doing in me? And then maybe the next thing that you do is you then change the conversation. Instead of going with the plan that you had and continually running up against a brick wall that is disengaged students, you adjust, you adapt, you call an audible so that maybe if things aren't going well in this direction, you can get your students to go in a different direction. One of the things that I often encourage people to do is if your students aren't willing to go deep spiritually, then use that night to go deep relationally. And so Ellie, for you as somebody who's been in ministry for a while, you've got these people that you're investing in, in your personal life. What are some ways that you go deep relationally with others? The biggest thing that is, I just tell people all the time is just ask questions and then ask more questions. Learn about people, learn about your students, learn about what's going on in their life, learn what they get excited about, you know, not on Wednesday night, because the reality is when you are interested in their lives, that builds trust, that builds relationship. It builds this connection where, like Josh said earlier, there's going to be that one week where they show up and they want to talk about the message or spiritual things because for the six weeks prior, you've been getting to know them personally. And so just be interested and be genuinely interested in connecting with them on on what they like and what they're doing in their lives, not just what you think they like or what you think they're doing in their lives. I think it's really important also to recognize that the, the first eight episodes so far of this, this podcast series that we've been covering, Leader Essentials, every one of them pours into the idea that it will help you go deeper in conversations if you'll do the first eight. So just know that each one of these, you have to keep on, keep on, keep on getting better and keep on showing up in their life randomly and showing up consistently and making sure that you're doing all of those things. And if you do, you'll start to see it play out better in situations like this, where instead of just talking about service level things, they're going to trust you to talk about deeper things. Absolutely. And before we kind of rattle off just some practical tips from our own personal experience, Josh, I have a very important question to ask you. As a dad, as a husband, 
How would your wife and kids respond if every time you were around them, you only ever wanted to talk to them about how to grow deeper spiritually? Man, wouldn't that be the dream? First of all, <laughs> that would be wildly exhausting. Can we just yeah. talk about how exhausting that would be? No, they, they wouldn't because I think that it would almost feel like, hey, you're just wanting something out of me. Like you want to think that, hey, you can pour your never ending wisdom into my life. And at some point they might be like, sometimes I just need you to be my dad. And sometimes I just need you to be my husband. And so I think that's, that's a really great way to think about this. And I, because I think what's interesting is as a small group leader, you, you have to understand sometimes you're kind of like their cool uncle. (laughs) <laughs> like you, like you need to understand, like sometimes they think of you as somebody that loves them and cares about them, but they also think you're really cool and they yeah. just want for you to keep on showing you care about them and maybe stop trying to fix them and stop Come trying to, to figure their whole life out for them. Because gosh, if you're a parent, hopefully you've learned by now that that's not how you parent anyways. You don't yeah. fix it all. You don't yeah. figure their whole life out for them. You let them figure some things out themselves. You love them along the way and you put band-aids on the scrapes after they fall. And so sometimes Come that's on. just how it works. That's so good. So some of the best moments in your small group are going to come on nights when nothing goes the way you thought it would. So on those nights, we would encourage you to first manage your expectations. And then second, change the conversation. Because if your students aren't ready to go deep spiritually, then invest your energy in going deep relationally. And now what I want to do is just take a couple of minutes to rattle off some really practical things that have helped me as a small group leader, and then invite Josh to share some things from his experience that have helped other leaders as well engage with their students when their students seem really disengaged. And sometimes them leading is leading all the way through the entirety of the message guide. Sometimes them leading is just the first 10 minutes when we reintroduce ourselves if we've got new people, we answer a get to know you icebreaker question, and then they get to decide what the topic of conversation is for the remainder of those 10 minutes. And so it often looks like us leaving the auditorium, heading to our small group, me selecting a student based off of who was the most well-behaved in the message, and then saying to them, all right, cool. You get to lead these first 10 minutes. What do you want to talk about? What's the icebreaker question? Go. And then I set a 10 minute timer on my phone, put it in the middle of the room. And then literally we spend the first 10 minutes just talking about whatever that person wants to talk about. And it could be an icebreaker question. Sometimes it's, hey, I just want to talk about the new video game I got and I want to know who else has played it. And so that's one of the ways that I help my students re-engage when they've been disengaged. Another thing that I've seen a lot of people find success in is actually kicking off their small group time every week with highs and lows, where each person gets a chance to talk about the high of the week, the highlight, what's the best thing that you're most excited about, and then the low of the week. What's the hardest thing? What's the most frustrating thing? What's the most difficult thing? And then that's how they start the conversation. Before they get into anything, message, Bible, content related, they're just talking about their lives. And then another thing that has been really helpful for my students is giving them the physical message guide each week and setting the expectation that, hey, we are going to be a group that pays attention and takes notes. And part of how I determine who leads group 
is based off of who actually took notes during the message and filled in the little blanks on the message guide. And sometimes the only engagement with the message is them taking notes during it, but at least that's more than nothing. <laughs> and then the last thing that I'll offer is for me, I've got to be very aware of when I start to lose my students' attention. So for example, we had a night recently where instead of the usual 30 minutes of small group, we had 40 minutes of small group. And as a leader, I'm stoked about it because I'm like, man, this gives us so much more time. But my seventh grade guys, they're like 20 minutes in, like ready to be done. And I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but there may have been another small group that did finish after 20 minutes. And so that group went and played basketball. So I got my group of seventh graders who I'm fighting to keep their attention, to keep them engaged. And they're just like, no, they're playing basketball. Why can't we play basketball? And so, you know, all that being said, what I had to do was recognize, all right, I've, I've actually started to lose them. So here's what I'm going to do. All right, guys, here's the deal. We had extra time tonight. I'm not going to make us go the full time, the full 40 minutes, but we're going to take the time that we do every week because this time matters. And maybe for you, you're not wanting to keep talking, but we're going to take this next 10 minutes, this last bit of time. And I'm going to ask you to be engaged. I'm going to ask you to be attentive. And we're going to talk about whatever y'all want to talk about. And what that did is it re-engaged them. It allowed them to spend some time relationally, just getting to know each other a little bit more. And some students shared some things that they hadn't shared before because we created that space. Now, I ended up letting them out early because of the fact that it was a long night. I realized I lost them. And me continuing to try to force them to talk about something for that full time would have just caused them to see me as somebody who's just trying to get them to do something they don't want to do. And let me be clear, there are absolutely times where I will bring that level of leadership to my students. I just want to manage it appropriately and make sure that that's not what I'm doing all the time. Like I want them to know that, you know what, because you're willing to compromise in order to respect me, sometimes I'm going to compromise as a sign of respect for you. So those are some tips that have been helpful for me. Josh, what else would you add to that? One of the things I tell our leaders to pay attention to is, hey, do you have a student in your group that you would say, yeah, they're like, they have potential. Like they have a lot of leadership potential, like one specific student. And some of you, you might have two. Just look, do I have a student that I think this kid's sharp, they're paying attention and they're mature for their age and they bring something that not every student brings. And if you do, then I encourage you to take a little bit of a special interest in that kid or in those two kids or, or whoever they are and begin to make it your priority to invest a little bit more deeply into their ability to lead. And then maybe you're not having a different kid lead every week, but maybe now instead of having you as one leader in the group, you have three because you right. have you and the other two students that you elevated into leadership, not because you told the whole group, hey, these two are also leaders. Like that's not what we're doing. But because you took those two or that one aside and said, hey, you're different. You have the ability to lead at a young age. And I think it's time for you to begin to step into that. And in, in doing that, you actually accomplish a couple of different things. One is that you help your group be better because they're going to they're gonna respond to one of their peers acting differently than them. They're going to go, 100%. man, if that person is doing it, maybe I should be acting a little different. But then yep. you're also going to elevate and invest in a young person's leadership ability when they're a teenager. And most of us looking back probably don't have many times that we're going, yeah, like I stepped into a leadership role when I was 16. I mean, I, I know that in sports growing up, I had some opportunities to step into some things, 
but none of them outside of sports were me actually trying to invest any type of wisdom into the lives of my friends around me. It was always adults that we expected to do that. And we really didn't pour it back into each other's lives. Yep. And so how cool is it when we start to see a student begin on, to, do it, to do that? And so I would say most groups, it's all, it's all going to look different and there's different levels. And so don't think that the ideas we're giving you, we expect to all work because we recognize that every group's different. They're all different ages. They're all full of different types of kids. Some of them are, there's no energy and you're like, for the love, one person say something <laughs> this week. Yeah. And then some of you are in groups where you're like, have any of you stopped talking? How are you even hearing each other? Because you're all talking at once. So we get that it's all different, but I would say that every one of your groups to some extent has at least a kid who shows a higher level of maturity than the rest of them. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you have a kid that's just, man, they are leadership right now. Like they've got so much potential to step into it. It just means that they might be a little bit higher level of leadership than the rest of the group. And if that's the case, gosh, take advantage of that. Use it as an opportunity to develop that kid. And then also use it as an opportunity to lead your group in a healthy direction. Come on. That's so good. I would say that some of the students who have done the best job leading were the students who the week before were the most distracting. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and as yeah. a leader, what I want to do is not just call my students out, but I want to call them up. I want to call them up to a higher level of maturity and leadership. And when you, as a leader, begin to do the same, I think you'll be surprised at how those students who are the most distracting end up responding. And so today we're talking about how to go deeper when your students don't engage. And hopefully you will start to discover that some of the best moments in your small group are going to come on nights when nothing goes the way you thought it would. Because when things aren't going the way you thought they would, or you hope they should, maybe the response you'll have is to begin managing your expectations and then changing the conversation. So what I want you to do this week is think about the last time things didn't go the way you planned. How did you respond? Did you actually manage your expectations accordingly? Did you change the conversation? If so, like, how did it go? If not, how did it go? <laughs> and then now what I want you to do is begin thinking about what you're going to do next time things don't go the way you planned because there will be a next time. And then pre-decide to do things better, to manage your expectations on the front end and in the middle of it, be willing to change the conversation. Because when you do, I think what you'll discover is that some of the best moments are going to come when things don't at all go the way you hoped they would. I think that that's so good. And I hope that everybody listening, I hope that this was valuable. This was episode number nine of our Leader Essential series. Next week is the final part of this series. It's going to be episode number 10. And we are talking about how to own your own development. And so if you're a follower of Christ that wants to be a better one, you better be willing to own your own development. If you're a leader and you want to be a better one, you need to be willing to own your own development. And so if those are two areas of your life that maybe you're going, you know, I'd like to be better in these, then you should probably tune in next week. It's going to be a great close out to this series. Thank you guys for joining us. Ellie, thank you for joining us. James, thanks for hanging out with us today. 
and everybody tuned in. Thank you for making it important to be a part of this podcast and to become a better leak switch leader, a better Jesus follower, and hopefully even a better leader within your own home. We appreciate your investment in our ministry and even in yourself. As always, thank you for joining the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow.